Well, hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Church Online. If it's your first time watching this morning, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here and we're so thrilled that you're spending some time with us today worshiping and getting into God's Word together and, uh, and hearing from Him. And uh, before I get into the content today, man, I'm, I'm so excited to be kicking off a brand new series today called Welcome Home. Uh, I get to start the series and then uh, my family and I, we're sneaking away for just a little bit of a break, a little bit of time off before we come back and have church in person again. Uh, so you get to hear from Pastor Perry next week. You get to hear from our Next Gen's director, Whitney, the following week, and then we'll be back together in person soon. Uh, but so excited to be kicking off this series with all of you. Before I get into the content though, uh, just wanna share some important things with you, so, some news that, that I wanna share with you. And one is just a reminder, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, that Serve Day is still happening on July 11th, all right? And uh, it's gonna look a little different this year. Uh, we've gotta be careful how we do Serve Day this year. Um, there are even gonna be some options for you guys who need some, some, some serving. They tell me they're working on some ways to serve in a way that can be family friendly, or even some virtual ways to serve, or writing some notes and cards to people and sending them. And so we're gonna, it's gonna be unique, it's gonna be a little bit different. There will still be some, some projects where we go out and help people uh, physically, but you can find out everything you need to know and get on the mailing list and sign up to be a part of Serve Day by heading to this website right here, truelife.church forward slash serve team. And uh, this is one of those times that we like to carve out every year. We, we wanna have three or four times a year where all of us come together as a church and we lock arms and we serve our community and we become the hands and the feet of Jesus and with no strings attached really. And, uh, and, and so I wanna encourage you to participate that in that in any way that you possibly can. All right, and here's the next one. We, we shared this with you last week, but this is big news that Welcome Home Sunday, which is the day we're gonna come back together in this room and I don't have to preach to just a camera for the first time in a very, very long time. Uh, it's going to happen on July 19th, July 19th, and you'll notice we're coming back with that new service time in person. And here's, here's where I'm going to just beg a little bit. Those of you who 8.30 is your home service, and those of you who 10 o'clock is your home service, I'm going to ask you to please prayerfully consider the 11.30 service. And the reason why we're coming back at three services is to try to make it as safe as possible for everyone and make it as, po as easy as possible for everyone to keep that six foot distance between your family group and other family groups so that people will be safe. So, uh, man, I can't wait to see all of you. And I know, um, I know not all of you will come back that Sunday. I know not all of you are gonna feel ready or comfortable or some are, are in higher risk scenarios or maybe a, a family member of yours is, is in a higher risk situation. And so you've gotta be very cautious and very careful. And uh, listen, we, we understand that and we will miss you terribly. We look forward to the, the day when all of us can come back without having to worry about all those different things and all the different restrictions and, and, um, and, it, and it's safe for everyone. And that's why we're gonna, we're gonna do the best we can to make the online experience, the church online experience, it'll be live instead of pre-recorded starting that day, and we're going to do everything we can to make it as excellent as possible for you. Uh, bear with us. I'm sure there will be a hiccup here or there, or a glitch that we have to figure out or iron out, but really excited about Welcome Home Sunday, July 19th, 8.30, 10, and you'd really be blessing your pastor's heart if you choose that 11.30, all right? I know some of you have some questions, all right? 
about what's that going to look like when we come back together. Maybe you're thinking, will I be asked to wear a face mask? And I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings about all of these different things. Uh, here's what I need you to know is we're, we're going to follow whatever the state guidance is for houses of worship, all right? We want to um, err on the side of safety, and, uh, and we, all, we just don't want to be responsible for somebody getting sick here if we can avoid it. So, will I be asked to wear a face mask? And the truth is, based on the guidance that the state has given us right now, probably. Now, that could change. Things are changing very quickly. It's hard to keep up with the pace. I'm recording this message 10 days before you're going to see it. And uh, I feel like I could record the message the night before you're going to see it, and something right now in our culture would happen that would make the message out of date. Uh, so we'll keep, you, we'll keep you informed. There'll be plenty of signage posted around the building and all those different things. But the answer is probably, uh, will there be physical distancing going on in the building? Are we going to ask you to maintain that six-foot distance from people who aren't in your family group? And, and the answer is, again, probably. It's probably still going to be what the state is asking us to do, and, and we're going to comply. Uh, I know a lot of you are asking this question, and this is a big one. Will kids' life be open? This is a big one for me because I have kids. And the answer to this one is probably not. No, probably not that first Sunday. Um, we want to get it open as quickly as we can. But as I'm sure you know, the smaller they are, the harder it is to keep them away from each other. And so uh, probably not that first Sunday. And it may be something that we phase back in. So we may uh, add kids' life back in for a service, one of those service times, and then grow back into the other service times. And th there's a couple reasons for that. Is one is it's, it's going to be difficult to make sure that we can manage all of the guidelines for children. The other is uh, a, a number of our dream team might be in high-risk situations or have high-risk family members. And they just can't come serve and they can't hold kids and put themselves in a situation where they might take a germ home to a loved one. So uh, we've got to make sure that we have the staffing and the, the body count, the number of people who can, can make things happen. So probably no kids life. Uh, and here's another one. Will there be life track? Like I'm looking for a way to, to get involved and plug into the church. Um, is life track going to happen yet? And I, I'm just going to tell you on this one, no, not not yet. Our hope is to offer Life Track beginning in August, the first Sunday in August with step one of Life Track. So hopefully we can have everything in place for that. Now, I've left one out that I know is incredibly important to a lot of you. It might be the most important question that I'm going to answer today for some of you, and that is, is there going to be coffee when we come back together for church? And the answer is, yeah, but it's not going to be self-serve, all right? So our team is going to serve you. If you come into church, we're going to be very careful with how we prepare the coffee. Uh, you'll have someone who's standing at the coffee island. There will be a place for you to kind of to wait in line. And a member of our team with gloves on and all, all the stuff will, will get a cup and they'll fill it up with coffee and then they'll set it down for you so that you can go pick it up and then they'll have a place where you can go add all your all the stuff that you add to coffee that makes it not coffee anymore. I don't know why we do that. Drink it black. Come on. Uh, so that, that will be available. It's just going to look a little bit different. But we're actually excited about it. I've, I've been listening to our Dream Team talk about it. And they're pumped up about this because it's a new way for us to serve people. And so uh, it won't be self-serve. We're going to serve you. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Here really is the most important question. And that is this. 
Will it still be church? Will the presence of God be there? Are we going to be able to worship and sing and have fun and laugh? And, and are we going to sense God's presence as we come together corporately and lift him up and, and, and hear what he wants us to hear that day? And the answer to that, you already know it, is absolutely, of course, it's still going to be church. It's going to look a little different. It's going to feel a little different, but it is a step back towards normal, right? And I'm excited for that. Can't wait for that. And can't wait just to have some people in the room with us again, in the building with us again. It's going to be good. All right. Got to get into the message now. And I've got a lot to say to you, so I'm going to move quickly. Let me, let me preface this for you. Let me set this up for you in that I have, in the, in the entire history of our church, the church launched in 2012, have never felt the need to speak on this topic. Never done it. And I'm going to speak on this topic today, and it's not because I think it's a problem within our church. It's honestly, it's because the Holy Spirit just put it in my heart to teach on this, uh, to share this with you today. And, um, and so I'm going to talk about the topic of coming together, being one, being united as the church. And again, I'm not trying to get rid of a problem. I'm just trying to be obedient to what God has put in my heart and and maybe it's going to help us avoid a problem. And <clears throat> originally, we, we talked with our staff and our team, and we had thought, let's, let's even do some stuff for our dream team so that let's record a little message for our dream team and, and just kind of help hit the reset button as we come back to church together. This is a great opportunity to hit, hit the reset on some things, or even some, maybe there's some unhealthy habits that have developed. And how do we, how do we use this opportunity to kind of just go, you know what, let's, let's not worry about those. And and the more I thought about that and the more I studied, I thought, you know, no, I, I think I'm supposed to just kind of share this with, with the whole church. I'm supposed to give this to all of you. And so I want to go to this passage of Scripture in John chapter 17, verse 9. This is Jesus. Jesus is praying, and he's praying for the disciples, and he's praying for you and I. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, my prayer is not for the world. Jesus is not, he doesn't pray for the world here. But for those you have given me, that's us, that's you and I, because they belong to you, Heavenly Father. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. Watch this. He goes on. Now I'm departing from the world. They're staying in the world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them. That's interesting. Protect us from what, Jesus? That's kind of a rhetorical question, right? If we need protection, who's it from? The enemy, Satan. Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united. So here's Jesus taking this moment. This is it's a big deal. Before he leaves his earthly ministry to be with his heavenly father, to be with his father, our heavenly father, he takes time to pray for us and he says, hey, God, Father, I need you to protect them so that they'll be together, so that they'll be united, so that they'll be one. I think that's very interesting. I think it's very interesting, first of all, that Jesus, he doesn't pray for the whole world. He prays for the, his followers. He prays for you and I. And he says, hey, if you're going to, hey, Christ follower, Christian, churchgoer, if you're going to follow me, you're going to need some protection to keep you together, to keep you unified, to keep you as one. 
He, he goes on a few verses later. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. So that's how we know you and I are included in this. Through their message. I'm sorry. Yeah, for all who will believe in me through their message, through the disciples' message. He says, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you're in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may they be in us so that, look, the world. Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prays for us. He prays that we'll be together, that we'll be one, that we'll have unity. So that the world where, come on y'all, there is no unity right now. No, I'm, I'm now 40 years old. I hate it when, pe- when people say things like, it's never been like this before. I've never seen it. Because history does repeat itself. But in my lifetime, in my 40 years of living, it has never been this divided, ever. It has never been this dysfunctional. It has never been this contentious. And it saddens my heart. I'm tired from it. And Jesus says, hey, church people, Jesus people, Christians, no. While the rest of the world is tearing each other apart, you're going to build each other up. You're going to come together. And Jesus says, I haven't prayed for the world. I've prayed for your unity because it's your unity that's going to draw the world to me. Jesus could have prayed for the world. He didn't. He prayed for us and left the world in our hands. He gave it to us. and said, hey, the way you care for each other, the way you treat one another when everyone else is destroying each other, that's the thing that's going to draw people to me. Which, by the way, Jesus is the only thing that solves anything that's going on in our world right now. He's it. He's all there is. That the, the world will believe that you sent me. That you sent me. He could have prayed for the world. He didn't. He prayed for us. And, he, and I, I believe if Jesus could, were to step down here on this platform right now, And say something to his church. He would say, hey, I need y'all together right now. I need you loving each other right now. I need you caring for each other right now. I need you to show empathy and sympathy and compassion to one another right now. I need you to find a way to build each other up when you're tempted to tear each other down. Come together. Come together. This is not new, by the way. Satan's tactic is not new. If you go all the way back to the, to the creation story, the Garden of Eden, the book of Genesis, what happens? He gets Eve to take the fruit. Then Adam takes the fruit. Then God comes in and goes, hey guys, what, what's the deal? What happened? And what is the, the enemy lays the trap. What do they immediately begin to do? It's her fault. No, it's his fault. No, it's the serpent's fault. What, what does he do? He, He finds a way to get us pointing the finger and blame shifting. And he divides. He He tries to pull us away. That's why the Apostle Paul, he tells us, hey, look, the enemy's real. And so you're going to need to be prepared for him. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies. What are the strategies? I'm going to show you in a minute. All strategies of the devil. Like he's got a whole bunch of different ways that he's going to try to pull you apart so that the world won't see you as any different than anybody else. For we are not, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Christians, this is so important for us to understand and remember. Like, just stop. Just log off the social media for a couple of days and go talk to your heavenly father about what's going on in the world. Stop looking. If you want to point your finger at somebody, point your finger at Satan. If you want to blame somebody, blame Satan. There's there's authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits. Stuff's real, Paul says. This is real. And we've got to know how to deal with it. There's a spiritual battle going on, which is why I was reminded of this quote this week that my beautiful little girl Sarah was, I remember we were riding in a car with some, some ministry friends of ours who were in town and we were talking about some of the ups and downs of ministries and how things can be hurtful and painful sometimes. And for a minute, I really almost forgot that my little girl is in the car with us. And, and so she goes, wait, Daddy, somebody, somebody said something like that to you? I could tell that she was on the verge of taking up an offense. And our friend Amy Robery jumped in and she said, well, listen, Sarah, I want to tell you what our pastor used to tell us. That pain can come through people, but you've always got to remember this. And it goes all the way back to one of the legends, I think, of our faith, Brother Roy Stockstill. And he says this, write it down in, or put it in your notes if you're following along at home right now. He says, hey, you've got to remember, people aren't the enemy. They're not. People aren't the enemy. And if I may be so bold right now, who knows if this will still be relevant 10 days from now, but if I may be so bold right now, can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what color, what shade the skin is, people are not the enemy. It doesn't matter what the profession is, it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a law enforcement officer, a first responder, people aren't the enemy, people aren't the enemy, the enemy is the enemy. People aren't, the enemy is. He's the bad guy. He's the one that's evil. Do people do bad things? Do people do evil things? Absolutely. Yes, they do. You want to know where that influence comes from? The enemy. The enemy is the enemy. People need Jesus. The enemy needs to be defeated. It really is that simple. People aren't the enemy. We've got to remember that. We've got to remember that. People aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And Satan would love to put you against others. Husbands and wives, he'd love, to, he'd love to pit you against one another. Parents, he'd love to pit you against the kids. Employees, he'd love to pit you against the boss. I, I mean, just, I want you to think about this for a second. And I realize I may, I may be wading into some murky waters here. and Some may find some of these thoughts uh, offensive. But I just want you to think about how quickly in our country the narrative changed. Less than a month ago, we were celebrating first responders on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and on the nightly newscast, celebrating them. 30 days later, look what the enemy has us doing to each other. Look at it. Look, look at what's going on right now. And it's not people. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. He divides. It's what he does. And this is not new. He used it in the Garden of Eden. He used it in the early New Testament church. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture that comes from Galatians where, where Paul has to confront Peter. 
one of the disciples. Because here, here's what happened. Christianity started with this group of Jewish disciples, right? Then it began to spread out of the Jewish community to the other regions around them. Eventually, obviously, becomes this global movement to follow Jesus. But the early church didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know what to do with their Jewish traditions and law and rules that they had to follow. And then as, as Greeks and Gentiles, they began to accept Christ. They, there, was, there were things go, that, that the Jewish people were going, well, hey, you can't, you can't love God unless you do this. And one of the big ones was circumcision. And, and so what happens is Peter and, and Paul have dinner with some, some Gentiles, with some Greeks. And Peter's all good with it. They're all hanging out. They're loving Jesus together. But then some more Jewish people show up. Some more Jewish leaders showed up. And Peter, all of a sudden, worried about what they would think, pulls away from the Greeks and the Gentiles. almost like he turns his back and ignores them now because he's got to make sure he impresses the Jewish people. And it, this is in your Bible, conflict in the New Testament church, the early church. And the apostle Paul calls him on it. And he says, Peter, what's up? Either Jesus did all the work and we're forgiven and we all can be one or not. Which is it? Paul, Paul talks in great length about this. And then he takes us to this passage of Scripture where what, what, in this one passage, I think, Paul exposes the core strategies of the enemy to divide people. Watch this. We've already seen these two be divided over, over one thing. But look, Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God. Doesn't matter what you do for a living. Doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. This is Paul wrapping it up. He's summarizing his argument. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. I like new clothes, don't you? I like that. I like that feeling. There's, there's, so we're all going to, we're going to put on something new because of Jesus. He goes on. There is no longer. Hey, all the things that separated you into groups, those aren't there anymore. There's no longer Jew. There's no longer Gentile. There's no longer slave. There's no longer free. There's no longer male or female. So we can all become one in Christ. And watch, I'm, I think Paul actually exposes the enemy's division strategy right here. If you're all one in Christ Jesus, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Look, he exposes this. He, he, Paul, Paul and Peter, there was a division over ideology or theology. The enemy loves to divide us down ideological lines or, or theological lines. Why do you think there are so many different flavors of church out there these days? Because some, some people hold on to one thing and other people hold on to another. Entire denominations exist based on whether or not you should cut your hair. I mean, it's, it's ideology, it's theology. In our, in, our, in our secular world, it's ideology. There's political ideology. We divide over these things. It's, how do we solve problems? We divide over these things. And listen, that's always going to happen in our world because our world is sinful and imperfect. I'm just saying it can't happen here. It can't happen between people who follow Jesus. We've got to come together around something bigger than our ideology. He's, he, he points out, hey, 
There's neither Jew nor Greek. He says, this, you, this can't divide us. If we've accepted Jesus, we're one under Jesus. So we can't let this divide us. This, this, is, why we've gotta, this is why we've gotta be intentional. This is why we were intentional a couple weeks ago with Pastor Miles McPherson. And this is why we had a, sat down and had a conversation with Pastor Mark Poland. This is why uh, in, in, the, in the wake of everything happening in our world right now, I want to just say something to every single African-American person who calls True Life home or who's watching online right now or, or uh, every person of color, any minority who attends True Life Church. A lot of you I've been able to make a personal phone call to. I won't get to all of you before I get in the car and, and head out on a trip tomorrow. So let me just say it to the camera. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for making True Life your home church. And I know there are probably days where if you walk in here and you're the minority, it might feel a little uh, unusual or intimidating. And I get it and I understand. And I want to say thank you for letting a white dude be your pastor. Thank you. And I want to ask you to stay. Keep making this your home. Keep helping us become more diverse. What we're going to do is we're going to build a church that looks like heaven. It's going to look like heaven. And we're not going to be divided over these things. We're going to come together. We're going to come together. He says uh, there's not Jew or Greek. He says there's not slave or free. The enemy loves to divide us over class. He loves to divide us over income level. He loves to divide us over career choice. Because if he can get us... If he can get us believing that the people are the enemy, then we'll forget that he's the enemy. This is his stealth strategy. This is how he masks himself. It's to get us angry at each other instead of angry at him. He'll even divide us based on gender. Which Paul explicitly points out all of these in Galatians. To, and, and I think he's helping us. He's helping us see, hey, the enemy has a strategy and you've got to be aware what the enemy's strategy is. I don't preaching harder than I have these last several weeks. I hope, I hope it translates through the camera. I hope it doesn't just feel like I'm yelling into your living room right now. But I'm passionate about this because the Holy Spirit put this in me. So I got, I got to give you what he put in me. So here's what I'm asking. Here's what I'm asking. As we get ready to come back together in person, let's hit reset. Let's hit reset on some some things that can really even be bad habits. Like, like you might be tempted to come to church, but then not really come to church. Like not come in and worship or not come in and sit under some teaching and hear what, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to our house. It's a spiritual family, so God speaks to our house at the same time corporately. And so maybe you're tempted instead to, to just sit in the lobby and have a conversation or whatever. And I get it. There's relationships and community that takes place and and that's normal. But I'm just saying like, hey, for right now, as we come back together, let's hit reset on some of those habits. Let's, let's, let's really come together. And I, I, know, I know there's people you want to see, but guess what? The, we're in phase two now. It'll probably be phase three or, or no phases by the time we come together in person. Get your calendar out. Meet up for coffee. Get in a small group. Have those connections. But when we come together for church, let's come together and be the church. Let's come together and experience what God has for us all at once. I'm, I'm just, I'm asking you church, especially as we begin to come back, to be intentional about our unity with each other. Let's do this. Let's find our common ground. Let's find a way that we can come together around some things that we share in common. 
There's plenty going on in our world right now to divide us. you'll, You'll be tempted... If you have to wear a face mask at church, you'll be tempted to start complaining about the face mask in the lobby to somebody. And then that'll lead into the politics of it all. And then somebody else is going to overhear you that you didn't actually knew overheard you. And they're going to get offended because they didn't think they went to church with anybody who thought politically like you did. And they're going to be all worked up. And then they're all going to miss out on what God really wanted for us that day. Because the enemy succeeded in dividing. And I'm asking you, when we come together as the church, hit pause on some of that. Let's turn our hearts and our attention to Jesus. Let's be one. Let's find our common ground. Our common ground. Why? Because the Bible says harmony, unity, is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting. I, I must have messed up on my notes. You should see the scripture reference here. This is in the book of Psalms. Go, go Google it. You'll find it. Harmony is, is as refreshing as the dew. That's what it should be when we come together. Refreshing. There's, there should be a blessing in it. There's a blessing in it. Let's come together around our common ground. On our, what is our common ground? Let me give you just a few ideas. Here's some. Uh, here's the first one. I think all of us are flawed. Like I'm, I'm, I'm severely flawed. And if you're honest, you are too. We all are. That's what makes this thing that God is doing called the church so beautiful. As we come together broken, flawed, scarred, hurting, and he puts us back together and he brings healing and he gives us hope and he gives us purpose. And he turns our lives into something beautiful. And we get way more accomplished together than any of us ever could by ourselves. All of us are flawed. And because all of us are flawed, all of us desperately need Jesus. I need Jesus more than ever. More than ever. And you do too. So when we come together, let's, let's come together and know that we're, we're gathering with a whole bunch of people, whether it's in person or online who are broken and flawed, and who desperately need Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, what happens then is all of us are called. Like all of us have something we need to be doing. All of us. All, all of us have some, something that is supernatural and, and comes from our Heavenly Father that He wants us to pour our life and our energy into. We're all called, 100% of us. Being called of God is not for the people who do what I do vocationally or professionally. I was just fortunate enough that this is what he asked me to do. A hundred percent of us who are in a relationship with Jesus are called. He wants us to use our lives for his glory. By the way, Paul and Peter eventually end up on the same page. They find their common ground. They even end up saying a lot of the same things if you read the letters of Peter and the letters of Paul in your New Testament. Let me show you. Peter says this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. And he tells us how. It's like, sympathize with each other. Sympathize with each other. I have found it's easier for me to sympathize if I shut up. Stop talking and listen. And allow yourself, I love what Pastor Dino Rizzo said a few weeks ago when he spoke to our church. Make some room in your heart for someone else's pain. 
Like zip it. Stop typing. Stop posting for a little. And go find somebody with some pain and help walk through it with them for a little bit. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Our culture right now, is a, it's a bow-up culture. It's a, oh yeah? Well, here's my opinion. And that doesn't come from Jesus, you guys. It's not his heart. Peter says you got to have some tenderheartedness. Keep a humble attitude. Because you don't know what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. You don't know what it's like to live somebody else's life. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors in that family. You don't know. So come together around common ground and don't, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults. I'm so disgusted by the way we've become an insult culture. By the way that we've said, if, if you don't agree with me, then you should just not be able to say anything at all. No! Not God's people. Not God's people. Instead, when somebody does something you don't like, bless them. Hook them up. Love on them. Care for them. Slip them some cash. Buy them some Chick-fil-A. Do something for them. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Want to hear Paul's version of it? That was Peter's. He says this, I appeal, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. There it is again. Let there be no divisions. I'm, just, I'm asking you, church, as we come together, no divisions. Let's find our common ground. No divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Let me tell you how you can do that. You can make some choices. Three choices. And I borrowed these from one of the pastors who I learned from. These last three things I'm going to say to you. Everything up to this point, I, I've given you through study and prayer. These last three things I want to share with you, uh, they, were so, they were too beautiful for me to not give them to you when I heard them. And there's a choice. I, I want you to choose. I want you to choose today to do three things. Here's the first one. Uh, just choose. I'm going to learn as much as I can about the other people in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what James says when he says, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Anger is a natural human emotion. It's okay. You can feel it. There's nothing you can do about it. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Anger can even be righteous. But here the, the scriptures tell us, you're going to feel it, but you've got to slow it down. Scriptures also tell us that you're going to feel it, but in your anger, don't sin. In your anger, don't hurt someone else. In your anger, don't retaliate. In your anger, don't lash out. Because that's not the heart of God. That's not what he wants. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So I'm going to slow down. I'm just going to listen and I'm going to learn. Tell me what it's like to be you. I want to know. I want to hear it. I want to learn. Here's the second thing. And man, this one resonates with me. I, um, 
I know a lot of you probably watched several weeks ago when we recorded a conversation between myself and Pastor Mark Poland, who I love that man. We're, there, there's, a, there's a group of pastors in our region that we're like brothers. We just love each other. We love each other's families. We care about each other. We care about each other's churches. Um, just, and, and Pastor Mark is somebody who God just is He's taken up room in my heart for him and for, for their ministry. And so, Ahmaud Arbery, all, all of that was playing out in the news. And so we responded to that with the conversation that we recorded here. And I felt like, it felt like a victory. Like, hey, the enemy punched and we punched back. And then a couple days later, we hear about Mr. Floyd in Minnesota. And I called Mark. And I said, bro, I, th- I thought we did something. <laughs> now I just feel like I've been punched in the gut again. And we, we talk multiple, multi- and then it just keeps happening. And, on, and just stuff keeps happening in our culture right now. It's like one crisis after another. Not even, not all, it's, it's the coronavirus. And then all the other, it's just, and then the political climate right now, it's just, and I found myself just feeling sad. Which, by the way, you don't want that to overwhelm you. You don't want to get stuck there. But it is very biblical to do this. Lament. You know what lamenting is? It's to give yourself space to go, I wish it weren't this way. I don't like it. It hurts. I'm tired of seeing what people are doing to each other on the news. I'm tired of the hatred and the bitterness. I'm tired of hearing from my friends who haven't grown up with the same color skin as me, how different it is for them. I'm I'm just, it just, I'm tired. And that's biblical, y'all. In fact, we're supposed to. Instead of saying things like, you, need, you just need to get over it or you just need to move on. No, no, no. What the Bible says is we're supposed to share each other's burdens. And in this way, you're obeying the law of Christ. In other words, if you don't want to share each other's burdens, you can't, you can't obey the law of Christ. Like it's one or the other. And so it's okay to feel it and to wish that it were different and to wish that it could be better. And we can do that simultaneously while in hope and in faith we know that one day Jesus is going to make it better. That we have this blessed hope that one day all of this will be set right and we will spend eternity with him. And and he's going to make everything perfect the way that it's supposed to be. So we have this hope, but we can also lament the reality of the world we live in right now. And where that should send all of us is here to, to love to care about one another, to serve each other. And that's why Paul says this in one of the most famous passages of Scripture in your Bible, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he says, look, hey, if I could speak all the languages of the earth, if I was the greatest intellectual ever, and of angels, if I was the most spiritual person ever, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and 
possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others. In other words, Paul's saying, if I were the greatest, churchiest church person ever to walk the planet, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't actually love people, Y'all, it's bigger than just attaching yourself to a cause because it feels right to be attached to a cause. No matter what cause you're attaching yourself to, I'm just telling you, there has to be more to it than that or else Paul says, I'm nothing. I could boast about it all, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And he tells us, well, what it, here's what love looks like. It's patient. See any patience in our culture lately? It's kind. Seen any of that lately? It's not jealous or boastful or proud. You know one of the things I'm praying for? God, take all the boastful, jealous, prideful rhetoric out of the politics. I don't know what you're going to have to do, God, to break that out of us. But it's, it's got to happen. It's, it's sickening, it's dysfunctional, and it's spreading. But not here. Not God's people. We're going to come together. Right, true life? We're going to come together. We're going to be one. And so we're not going to be these things. So that's not what love is. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. There's grace and forgiveness and it lets things go. It does not rejoice about injustice. That's very appropriate right now. But rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails, one translation says. Let's come together. I'm asking, I'm asking you to, truly. I'm asking you. Serve Day is a great opportunity to begin to do that. But I'm asking you just to settle the issue in your heart right now. Maybe, maybe you've seen other church family members posting things on social media that hurt your heart during this season. Maybe you think we should all wear face masks for the next six years. Or maybe you think face masks are stupid and they came from Satan himself. Like, like I, don't, I don't care which side of all of these issues you're on right now. I'm asking you, let it go. Let's come together. Let's find our common ground. Because from that place of our common ground, we can do damage to the enemy. People aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for us and he left the world to us. He said, you go reach them. You go show them who I am. That's why Paul says, God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work. We've got work to do, church. We've got prayers to pray. We've got people to serve. Join him in the work he does. The good work he's gotten ready for us to do. Work we better be doing. We better be doing. I want to ask you right there in your house to just close your eyes for a second. And maybe you're listening to this and the enemy has brought division and strife into your life. 
and it hurts. And maybe you never realized that Jesus has a way out of that. I just want you to know he does. And if you don't have him in your heart, if you don't have a relationship with him, all you need to do right now is ask him to come into your life. Surrender to him. Just right there where you're at, you can pray, Dear, dear Jesus, come into my life. Please save me. Change me. From this day on, I want my life to belong to you. I don't want to do it by myself anymore. Help me to become a part of a, a spiritual family, something bigger than myself, where I can be flawed, but everybody else is flawed too. And I can come to you and I can have a relationship with you and then you're going to give me calling and purpose and me and all these flawed people, we're going to go pursue that calling together. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, would you click the button that's in the chat right now? It says, I made a decision. I'm raising my hand to follow Jesus. If you're watching on a social media platform like Facebook, or if you're watching on YouTube, would you send us an email or click the digital connection card that's going to pop up in a few seconds, or you can message just directly through Facebook and just say, hey, today I raised my hand and I received Jesus. And we just want to equip you and resource you and I just want to end today by praying for you. For everybody else who's watching today, I just want to lift you up to our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person who's watching right now. I hope they're still watching because I've talked too long, but would you help us come together? Would you help us find common ground in you? In you. Jesus, I pray that you would draw our hearts away from the division. Draw our hearts away from anger. Draw our hearts away from hurt. And draw our hearts to you. And show us, God, how to come together, how to be one. So that this world that is so hurt, that is so broken, would see in us what you wanted for them all along. And we'd be able to give it to them. We'd just give them you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for watching Church Online today.